This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Burgess. Hey, thanks for uh, joining us on the podcast once again today. On these Wednesdays, Sean Bolson uh, joining us uh, as well as we head on into Ryder Cup weekend this weekend, Sean. Before I ask you about that and we talk about it some, let's talk Vikings a little bit. I did not anticipate that they would get off to an 0-3 start, I guess, on the season. That being said, uh, it isn't over yet. They still have 14 games to play. Still time for them to recover and make the postseason, but they have dug themselves a pretty good hole here. They have. You know, I, I everybody... Uh... You know, could have looked at it and thought, you know, two and one, one and two, but you know, zero oh and three is tough pill to swallow. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been right there. I mean, you can't say any of the games were. We probably didn't expect looking at the schedule to go into Philly and win. I think you would have expected to get the Bucks and the Chargers at home. Yep. But we've been in each game. We're just not making the plays that uh, we need to at crunch time to get it done. Um, you know, balls that hasn't bounced our way, and you know, we just. We, our offensive line isn't real good, and that's showing up. We knew that going into the game, going into the season. Our defensive line, you know, isn't uh, creating havoc like you see with some of these other top teams. You know, yeah. like we, you and I have talked, line of scrimmage is a big deal. And right now, we're not winning that. No, that's right. Uh, the line on both sides is a concern, I believe, for the Vikings. You look at a team like Philadelphia, uh, their GM has just focused on both lines and making sure that they're deep, uh, and, and they've done that. And we saw that against the Vikings, where they just dominated both uh, lines of scrimmage. Uh, and, and the Vikings don't have enough guys uh, there. They need to start a, uh, thinking more, I think, about both the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, we know that they have terrific offensive weaponry uh, besides Cousins, all the other uh, wide receivers, tight ends that they've spent money and high draft picks on. They're set there, but uh, they they still need to work on the offensive and defensive lines, as you just talked about. Yeah, and you know, we saw. I was kind of surprised to have some game management issues with O'Connell last yeah. week because you know uh, the Chargers pretty much did everything they could do to give us an opportunity to win that game. And when it came down to the end, you know, it was pretty mismanaged at the end of the game without yeah. clocking it right away. And just uh, I was shocked that you know the Vikings can uh, we can jump off sides with the best of them in crucial situations. I, know. So I was quite confident that's what the Chargers were going to do. They run the play, we stop them, we get a chance, and then we just kind of put a so-so effort at getting in the end zone. And, um, you know, I wasn't very impressed with that. So, like I said, we've been in each game. We have some things that we need to clean up. It's not like we're getting blown out, but yet in the same sense, teams that win and teams that make the playoffs, they don't make those mistakes. Well, as we saw last year, the Vikings didn't make those mistakes. They made winning plays at the end of games all year last year, and this year they're not making those same winning plays. Uh, the jumping off sides that you talked about, we've seen it on fourth down uh, to give the other team a, a first down. That happened a couple of weeks ago uh, in their, their loss to the Eagles, or maybe it was against Tampa even, when Phillips jumped off on a fourth down and a, and a yard to go and uh, late in the ball game, we have seen some of that. We've seen areas where you would look and see mistakes the Vikings are making and go, 
you know, that's somewhat on the coaching here. And I, I don't think I was looking at the coaching much in his rookie year, but this year we've seen some cracks uh, develop. And, of course, the uh, taking 25 seconds uh, to get a play run uh, when you only have 37 seconds to begin with in this last game, that was the biggest thing that jumped out and said, man, what is going on here? They, they, they threw away two plays they could have run, and then Cousins felt rushed and kind of forced a little pass. He did. And, you know, if you give him time to, you know, set up for two, three plays, you know, you can get your best play drawn up. You know, I, I felt like we just kind of reacted there. We, you know, quick went over the middle. And, you know, it's a play that, you know, could have worked, but it didn't. Yep. And yep. I did read one other crazy stat that we blitzed on on 80. You know, we were all sick of the Donatel defense last year just playing the shell. We blitzed 82% of the time last week, yep. which is the highest ratio since they started keeping that stat in 2006. Yep. So our defense... You know, we're putting pressure on the quarterback, and I'm okay with that because it's not like we're getting majorly torched down the field with our corners on an island. Yeah, are we giving up some shots here and there? Yes, but there are other parts of the game, the run game, the dump-off, the tackling. the just our, our defense needs to continue to improve. We need to get home a little bit more on stuff. But the interesting thing about that stat, Daniil Hunter, three of his sacks were in three-man rushes, and we booked 82% of the time. So to me, that talks about you're rushing three, you're dropping eight in coverage, which you're not going to do all the time. The secondary did a good job, and Hunter's gotten some quarterback pressures and quarterback sacks just because uh, our secondary is covered, and, and he's had time to get home. So I think finding that balance between blitzing all the time, dropping in coverage, mixing up your looks, it's going to be key because, you know, this week, having Carolina, you know, I watched Andy Dalton last week, you know, in Seattle, uh, you know, he's a serviceable quarterback that we're going to need to, we should beat, but we need to be careful to not give him too many opportunities to, to beat us down the field. So yeah. I think it's an interesting scheme. We've seen both sides of it. I think we just need to land somewhere in the middle. Yeah, you know, honestly, I'd rather see Bryce Young than, than Andy Dalton just because he's a veteran. Right. He's going to be able to read defenses. He's going to understand a lot more what Brian Flores is trying to do against him than Bryce Young uh, would certainly do. I didn't know that stat. So 82% blitz and Chargers, Chargers passed for over 400 yards. So yeah. that didn't really work. I mean, he completed, what, 37 passes or something like that, and 18 of them to one guy. So they, they didn't have anybody that could cover Keenan Allen at all. I mean, now he did catch some contested passes, but he was open uh, a lot. And when you're bringing multiple guys, you'd better get there or there is going to be holes behind you. Yeah, 82% of the time you left people on an island. Yep. And, you know, if you're getting home to the quarterback and you're sacking him multiple times, that makes sense. But when you can't get home, uh, your your corners just aren't going to hold up against, you know, top receivers. Allen's been a really good receiver for a long time, but 18 catches is, you know, absurd when it comes to yeah, how yeah. many. You know, we I remember when we had the, the Moss ratio. Remember yeah. when Tice had said, hey, we have to get it to him X amount. Yep. Wow. You know, this team... We could get it to Moss four, five, six times a game. Maybe they're getting into him, you know, 15, 17, 18 times a game. That's in, incredible. So <laughs> we do need to make some adjustments there because you can't get torched by no. the same guy over and over. You need to make an adjustment and roll to it so you can take that away. 
I, we see, uh, boy, we, we really saw up close and personal why Justin Herbert is thought, the, uh, thought so highly of uh, around the NFL. He's got just a lightning quick release. Their quick game on offense much better than the Vikings. The Vikings are definitely more of an offense that wants the ball in the quarterback's hands longer in the pocket. I didn't really notice that the Vikings had what they call a, a quick passing game where the quarterback gets it, stands up, and chucks the ball uh, You know, for bubble screens or what have you. Uh, Los Angeles used that quite a bit and quite effectively. They did, and the interesting thing about them having such success in the pass game, how many times have we heard over and over well, you're going to have some semblance of a run game in order to set up the passing game. Yeah, they, they didn't. They basically said, yeah, we can't run the ball. We're just going to throw it every time and right. still succeeded at it. So yeah. that was a bit disappointing because when our passing game has been taken away, we all go to, well, we couldn't establish the run. How are you going to, you know, have some, you know, the corners be softer, just have some opportunities downfield if they don't have to respect the run? Well, our defense didn't have to respect the run. We still got torched. So that was a yeah. bit alarming. Yeah, when they didn't have Austin Eckler, who was one of the top running backs in the entire league, I really thought that gave the Vikings a, a bit of an edge uh, in that ball game right there. But a, a little good news: they they actually did have a running game uh, on Sunday. The Vikings they when they you know committed to it a little bit and gave the ball to uh, you know to Madison. I think the first four plays from scrimmage were runs. Uh, with Madison, and he got nice chunk yardage, 8, 9, 12 yards on one carry early on. I, I'd like to see a little more of that, I think. Yeah, I don't know that we're going to be able to have that sort of success. Let's remember that the Chargers did have the worst run yeah. defense or one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. Yeah. So we were able to have some success there, and we had some success throwing the ball, too. You know, we, we did. We, yep. um, You know, offense hasn't been the big issue. No. Uh, you know, no. I think I said we were going to win 31-24, you know, yeah. something like that. You know, you end up losing 28-24. If we punch it in at the end of the game and we score, we win, you know, are we talking about, boy, that was a good resurgent game? Probably. But the game, it's a game of inches. Yep. It's a game of one break going this way or the other. And we all know last year we got those breaks, and this year we've essentially gotten none. Yeah. So that is something that's going to need to change and I, I believe it balances out although last year it didn't balance out we won them all yeah but i think you know if you right. come to the point where you know you can win more than you lose you know that's a positive stat and right now we're we're all in three needing a rebound win against the panthers really badly so when the vikings signed uh, hawkins into that 64 million dollar contract how did you feel about that well i'm as you know i'm a big tight end guy yeah. i like uh, a tight end, especially with someone, you know, like a, you can say like a, a Cousins because it's a safety blanket, but even when you look at the Chargers, you, or, uh, excuse me, the Chiefs, yep. you look at the, the 49ers, uh, you look at the, even the Steelers, you know, they look for their tight end in big spots. And to me, Hawkinson has been top five tight ends. You know, this first catch this week, he catches it, defender makes a great play, basically squares him up chest to chest, gets his arms inside and rips the ball away, you know, as we were marching down to score on our first drive. I like Hawkinson. I think he's going to be someone that we're going to want on our team going forward, mm-hmm. um, especially with the other, uh, you know, wide receivers around him. To me, the biggest disappointment when you talk about what do you like, what do you don't like, Osborne has had some drops this year in yeah. huge situations. Um, haven't been overly impressed with him. And Addison has shown some signs of speed and, and, you know, be able to break away, but we haven't implemented him a ton in the offense. And J.J. 
has just been off the charts again because he's just that kind of a player. So yeah. going back to your original question, I'm okay with Hawkinson. I think to be successful in today's NFL, you need a tight end that can block and you need a tight end that can essentially be another top wide receiver out there, and I think that's what he gives you. Yeah, and boy, I don't know. I thought it was a little high. Uh, they did make him the highest paid tight end in the NFL with that contract. That'll change the next offseason. It's about timing on those things uh, as much as anything. But, you know, I've seen him fumble the ball since he came to the Vikings, and he doesn't right. touch it often enough to have the number of fumbles lost uh, that he's had. He had another big fumble in this last week's game. Last year, remember, we saw a fourth down drop of a pass. Uh, we saw a couple of third down drops. I, I I don't want to see a $64 million tight end drop or fumble the football. And for my money, we've seen that a little bit too much out of Hawkinson so far. We now, have. Otherworldly yeah. talent, but he needs to hang on to the football. He does. And, I mean, the Vikings need to hang on to the football as a whole. Yeah. You know, our fumble situation this year is ridiculous. We yeah. can't, you know, I don't know if we've had, what, nine fumbles, lost seven, something yeah. like that, and it's just not good. And yeah. um, I don't put the blame, you know, Cousins has been pretty poised. Yeah, he's been okay. He's been accurate. Yep. Um, I, I think we're okay there. And like I said, we have a lot of good pieces in place. But at the we're just making key mistakes at the wrong times. Yeah. And it's just really biting us right now, and it's costing us the wins. Yeah, that's right. So I assume you like the Vikings at Carolina this Sunday. I do like the Vikings at Carolina. I will be in Wyoming hunting, so I will ah. not have the availability to watch it at all. I kind of go into uh, off the grid, as some call it, uh, with very limited cell phone and no TV. So I do hope when I get a chance sitting up somewhere on my phone, get some reception to check the score and see a win. I'm pretty confident we are going to get a win this week. Yeah, I I feel good about it, too. Uh, Like I said, I think I'd rather see Bryce Young because he won't be able to diagnose the defenses and the blitzes quite so quickly as Andy Dalton will. You're going to need to be a little more cautious with blitzing against a guy like Dalton who can read uh, things uh, pretty well. Uh, So you're going to miss the Ryder Cup then this weekend, too, while you're out there in the hinterlands of Wyoming. I am. I'm going to... I generally get a chance to watch some of it. Uh, Friday night, I think I'll probably be in Deadwood getting ready to head in. So uh, I'm sure I'll get to see some of the action, the early action. But, yeah, I won't be uh, watching it during the weekend. But uh, it is quite an event. Um, I I think the Masters is my favorite uh, golf event, but the Ryder Cup is a pretty close second for me. It is. You get that camaraderie. You get the team stuff. This year we get a little bit of, drama on the team i mean it looks like brooks is fitting in really well uh you know i saw him get uh, i don't know if they were all together and he got the big mohawk and and uh you know it just kind of kind of a uh, a fun environment it seems like the guys are all chumming it up having a good time looking to you know i didn't realize for the last six i believe i've gone to europe and a lot of europe's uh names that we recognize are not on it because live tour dive and, and Europe uh, is missing some of the guys that we've seen forever and ever and ever so yeah. I think though talent wise I think you know the U.S. is, is superior yeah. but we're playing over there and interesting venue and so you know I look forward to some entertaining matches but I do think the U.S. will get it done. I do too but boy you look at the European team and and uh, you know with Rahm and Hovland and McElroy uh, they yep. might have the three best uh, but they don't have as deep a roster as the U.S. has. You know, Scotty Scheffler is number one, but he's had so much trouble putting the ball. I worry about clutch putts for Scotty Scheffler. And if I was Team Europe, 
I guess I'd be making Scotty put those out. I wouldn't have him on a real long leash uh, for gimmies if I was the European team right now. So you look at the, the U.S.'s top player, and, and he's not putting very well. So it would not shock me if the Europeans win again on their turf. I think the U.S. will win. If you go through the whole roster, the U.S. has a deeper roster. But, boy, the cream might be over on that European squad. Yeah, your top three over there is pretty tough. Yeah. And the gimme is a, is an art <laughs> right. match play. You know, all year long you go and you putt everything out, and now there's gimmies. And so you got guys that there'll be a lot of mind games played. And, yeah, with Scheffler, that's somebody where if he's got a three-footer on a hole, you know, maybe you make him putt it. And number one, it might aggravate him right. because he's thinking you should give it to him. And, and number two, we've all seen him miss some of those. So yep. I think that does bring another aspect into watching golf. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, they're over in Rome. A friend of mine went to Rome for the week uh, and is going to be at the Ryder Cup this weekend. That would be a, that would be a great trip to, to take some time to a European uh, Ryder Cup. So I'm sure he's going to have a blast over there. Um, so, uh, you know, I think both of us like the U.S. I wouldn't pick Europe anyway because I don't want to – I'd rather pick the team <laughs> that I want to win, uh, and that's the U.S. team. Uh, the Twins are headed toward the postseason and playing well here down the stretch. Matt Wallner has really uh, started to mash the ball. He hit one almost out of the target field last night, way up in the in the third deck in right field. Uh, fun to watch. Here they are, the Twins playing good baseball, having won five out of the last six, and Buxton and Correa are not even part of the equation. That's been pretty amazing. Not even part of the equation. Yeah. Uh, I think Correa, they said, will be back Yeah. for the playoffs, but he won't be 100%. In my words, in my eyes, if Buxton is not able to play center field, I don't know why you DH him. Right. Uh, I don't even know if you put him on the roster. Lewis's uh, hamstring injury is coming along. They're still not really giving it up on if he's going to be 100%, if he's not going to be 100%. But bottom line, Buxton, who we spent all this money on, if he can't play center field, I don't even know that you play him. I agree. Um, but I like Lopez. I like Gray. And you know, you go Maeda. I think if we get to a third game, you know, first of all, we have to break this losing streak yep. and win a game in the postseason. But, um, yeah, Correa, I believe, will be back. I, I just really i am just miffed at, at Buxton's inability to stay healthy yeah. at all. Yeah. Hey, and it's, it's frustrating. 80, 80 games, I think, played again this year, all of them at uh, DH. Uh, yeah, this isn't what they signed a $100 million contract for, for a, a guy who gimps around. Uh, and, you know, if Lewis can't go full speed, but he is healthy enough to play, you might want him to DH anyway. So if you For have sure. Buxton sitting in that spot and keep Lewis on the bench because neither of them is quite healthy enough to play in the field, well, you have to take Lewis in that situation, right? Yeah, it's not even close. Yeah. I mean, Buxton goes on these 0-32 for 32 tears all the time. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he'll come back and, you know, he'll have a, a decent stretch. But uh, if, if, if neither of them are healthy to get in the field – like I said, if Buxton can't play in center field, I don't know that you have a spot for him on the postseason roster, which is crazy to say yep. after these last couple of years. Yep, yep. I'm with you on that for sure. Hey, Sean, uh, good luck in Wyoming. Uh, be safe out there. Enjoy your travels. We'll talk with you next week. All right. Thanks, Todd. Sean Bolson here on the Todd and Friends Podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.